Amen. Church, it's great to, to be here with you this morning. I want to start out by just considering a thought with you. And that thought is, is what is truly amazing to me. What's truly amazing, what truly blows my mind, is the fact that God, God, the creator of the heavens, the creator of the universe, cares about me. This God, this creator, cares about you. He cares about us. What's amazing is the God of the universe is leading us as a church body collectively. He's leading us as a large group. But He's also leading each of us individually. In just a moment, you're going to watch a video uh, from Brooke Mooney. She's our children's ministry leader. And if you know Brooke, you know she has such a tender spirit. She has such a wonderful heart for the Lord, and she's sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And last year, the Holy Spirit led Brooke to make some changes in her life. Brooke, uh, she met with me, and she expressed that God was leading her to focus more on her family. And as she was sharing with me, I I could see and I could sense the tension in Brooke's heart because because she loves the children of Grace Church, and she's doing a great job. But everyone on the staff of Grace Church knows that your family is your first ministry. I'm I'm, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of seeing far too many pastors uh, go all in in ministry to the sacrifice of their family. So when I heard Brooke uh, expressing the desire, expressing to me the leading of the Holy Spirit in her life, and I just, I cheered her on in that direction. I applauded her in that direction. I I, uh, encouraged her in that direction. It was the direction I could obviously see the Lord leading her in her life. And so we're going to watch a little video of Brooke this morning, but first of all, I just want to share with you just a couple reasons why we're going to watch a video of Brooke and why she isn't going to stand up here and tell you and talk to you personally, okay? The first reason is is because she's downstairs right now ministering to your children. And the second reason is talking in front of a large group of people is not Brooke's idea of a good time, okay? Um, And so I asked her, I said, would you want to talk or do you want to do a video? And she chose the video option, all right? So we're going to do a video And then I'm going to say a few more things um, afterwards. But without further ado, let's watch this video. Good morning, Grace Church. Um, Brooke Mooney here, um, leader of the children's ministry. And I wanted to start off just by saying thank you to all of our awesome volunteers and parents and even grandparents for the support and the care and the commitment um, that you've had to us personally and to our ministry Travis and I have been leading children's ministry, not leading, but serving in children's ministry for almost 10 years now, and we have completely fallen in love with your children. Um, it is just a joy to see how um, kids respond to the gospel, and they respond to Jesus, and we are, have just been extremely blessed to be serving in this ministry for so long. Um, for a time commitment to our family, we've decided and prayed, very much prayed about passing the ministry leadership on to somebody 
who really can take it where this ministry is going because it is booming and we're really excited to see where God's going to take it. Um, we are going to stay extremely involved because we love and care for children and especially the children of grace. And we just want to thank you guys again so much and just ask for your prayer and your support as this ministry continues to blossom. All right, so so God is leading uh, Brooke. And she's lead, uh, he's leading Travis. Um, God's not a she, by the way. I just said she. God is leading Brooke and Travis to, uh, to make some changes, specifically leading Brooke to uh, focus more on being a wife and being a mother to her two boys. And church, honestly, I can't tell you how proud I am of Brooke. Ten years. Ten years she has been serving in the children's ministry here at Grace Church. And she has been uh, leading. That's healthy. That's healthy. There's not too many pastors that stay in a church for ten years. Let alone a children's ministry leader. You know, when Brooke... When she met with me, she was she was really emotional because she said it felt like she was quitting. I passionately assured her, I passionately assured her that that was a lie straight from the enemy. She's not quitting. She's, she's not stepping down. She's stepping into a different calling. She's stepping into what God is leading her to do. Remember at the beginning I said... This God of the universe is leading us. He cares about us as a church, and he cares about you as an individual. God is leading Brooke to focus more on being a wife and being a mother. Two of the greatest callings, two of the greatest privileges a woman can experience. And I say that emphatically. I asked Brooke if, if we were to expand the children's ministry position, would she be interested, you know, in continuing to lead? And she said, Justin, I know, I know that God is leading me to transition out of the leadership. I know this. But I would highly recommend that we make this position full-time. I would highly recommend that we put a lot more focus, a lot more effort into uh, the children's ministry. And so I, um, I asked Brooke what her timeline looked like, and she, being very generous, she asked for two months. And uh, it was really cool. She asked, she said, Justin, is that going to be enough time for you guys? You know, ah, I love that. Like, her heart is awesome. She's so considerate, but uh, two months is, uh, you know, we're going to make a transition. You know, the, the children's ministry here at Grace Church is averaging 75 to 80 kids every weekend. And we have to have a minimum of 10 volunteers to staff it every weekend. And that's simply to keep our weekend service effective in ministering to families. But I'm not interested, church. I'm not interested in simply maintaining what we currently have. God has called us to impact this county and if we don't minister to, and if we don't effectively reach the next generations, we might as well close up shop right now. So with Brooke's encouragement, and with a little faith, and with a little courage, I went to the elders and I asked, I asked them to expand the current position from a barely even part-time 
position to a full-time position here at Grace Church. And I, I just want to say that your leadership team here at Grace, they, they take the stewardship of Grace Church very serious. And after much prayer and, I have to be honest, some lively discussion, I am thrilled to announce to you this morning that we are going to expand the children's ministry position to full-time. We're going to make that decision. We're going to take that step. And yes, this is going to stretch us. It's going to be a risk. But we believe it's a critical next step in making sure we're ready to take care of the people that come in these doors. Because that's what it's about, church. It's about loving God, and it's about loving people. It's a critical piece to make sure the next generations are being raised up to believe in, to follow, and to love Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that we're already in the process of seeking uh, the one that God would have to fill this position in leading the children's ministry here at Grace Church. Brooke and Travis are stepping away from the leadership role, but they plan to stay very active. They plan to stay very involved in the ministry. But can I just ask something of you? church, can I ask you to take some time this week to send Brooke and Travis a card, to uh, write them a note, um, to give her a call specifically. You may be sitting here and you're like, I don't even know Brooke. That's all right, call her. It'll be weird, but she'll appreciate it. Okay? But honestly, I would just encourage us as a church, let's, let, let's express our love to her and our appreciation to her. And would you please just tell her good job? And Would you tell her that you're proud of her for following God's lead in her life? Man, I'm so proud of her for doing that. Can you do that, church? Can you just take some time and just show your appreciation to her this week? Listen, great things are happening in the lives of people in Grace Church, and great things are happening in Grace Church. God is leading us collectively, and He's leading us as individuals. And I am so grateful and excited to be on the journey, to be a part of it. So we're going to shift gears this morning, and we're going to get into the sermon. And I just want to start by letting you know where we're going. Today is week two of of a four-week series called T-10. And then Sunday, February 7th, we're going to be starting a seven-week series called Live Life Love. It's going to be a study through the book of 1 John, and I'm super, super excited about it. But before we get too far into February, let me remind us of some things that are coming up this month. Like Keith mentioned before I began speaking is on Sunday, January 31st, we're hosting our first ever Grace Church Summit. Okay, that sounds awesome, doesn't it? It sounds big. But let me just encourage you and let me remind you that it's basically us as a church just gathering together that Sunday. We're just getting together as a church and we are um, going to seek God for his direction and for his counsel. And honestly, we believe that some of the best ideas, some of the best thoughts are sitting right here in Grace Church. So these ideas and thoughts, your ideas and thoughts, are talked about at your dinner tables, they're talked about in coffee shops and workplaces, they're talked about on the ski lift. But we knew somehow, some way, we needed to hear these ideas, we needed to, to hear these thoughts. This past week, you uh, filled out a survey. Many of you got it in your email. We handed out hard copies last Sunday. And you did it with great candor. 
And, uh, man, we have already received a lot of great ideas, a lot of great thoughts. And on the 31st, the last Sunday of this month, we're asking everyone who's committed to the success of Grace Church to come together, okay, to pray our best prayers, to share our greatest ideas, and to give extraordinary effort and energy into seeing the vision of impacting this region become a reality. Listen, that vision cannot become reality with the pastors alone. It's going to take all of us collectively. But if we pull together, I believe it will become a reality. We can become a church that impacts this region. We can become a church that brings a smile to the face of God. So on Sunday the 24th, we're going to invite you to join us. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, on Sunday, January 31st, we're going to invite you to join us on this GC Summit. And just to let you know that we're not messing around, we're taking this extremely serious, is on the 24th, we're going to invite you to join us on a fast. Okay? So when your pastor who loves food um, begins to fast, you know this is serious stuff. Okay? So on Sunday, January 24th, um, we're going to begin a seven-day fast. And, uh, man, we're not making this mandatory. This is We're just inviting you to join us. Um, as a leadership team, we're going to be fasting and we're going to be praying and we're going to be asking God, please, God, direct us. Give us the ideas we need. Give us the direction we need. Um, because I am learning more and more as I get further down the road in ministry that I cannot do it in my own strength. We cannot do it in our own strength. It's going to take a move of God. And so we're going to seek His face. We're going to seek His will. So Sunday the 24th, we're starting to fast. Sunday, January 31st, we are um, doing the summit. And so the surveys you filled out this past week are going to help us decide uh, what areas we most need to focus on at the summit. And uh, man, we've been praying that this summit will help us to set direction for 2016 and the years to come. Uh, so uh, it's going to be from 11 to 2 o'clock. Okay? We're going to have a shorter service. The summit's going to begin at 11 o'clock. We're going to have one session of workshops. We're going to feed you lunch. And then we're going to have another session of workshops. And we're, we're trusting that the, God, the God we serve is going to give us great, um, great direction through this time together. So uh, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for taking the time to fill out the surveys. Um, and once again, we've already received a lot of great ideas, a lot of great thoughts, a lot of great suggestions. And you know what's really been super encouraging? As I've been reading through the surveys that have been handed in, is it's obvious how much you love your church. And, uh, man, that's been super encouraging to me, um, that you would take the time to invest in it, that you would take the time to share your ideas and thoughts. And, uh, man, once again, just thank you for, for sharing. Church, we are all in, okay? I'm all in. Impacting La Plata County isn't just going to be a bunch of meaningless words that's thrown around Grace Church. It's not just some fancy saying we came up with you know, to try to make the church sound cool. We're all in. We're, we're going to go for it. We're going to try to make this happen. We're going to try to seek God and follow Him as we uh, do our best to impact this county. We're not messing around. We're not playing games. And all I really know is it's 100% and nothing less. Okay? That's going to be our motto, man. 100% and nothing less. The reality is we're called to reach our culture it's the Great Commission. Go into all the world. And it starts right here. It starts right in our backyard. 
Our culture is Durango. Durango. Our culture is Bayfield, Ignacio, and Cortez, and other surrounding communities. I want you to know, church, that we love Durango. As a church, we love La Plata County. We're not here. We don't exist to fight our community. Okay? We are here to serve our city. That's why we are here. That's why we have been planted here is to serve the community around us. We don't want to just have a great church. We also want to have a great community. We want to have a great town. We want to have a great city. We want to have a great county. And the reality is, is we have the gospel. What Durango needs and what La Plata County needs most is Jesus Christ. And we have it. We have the gospel. All the brokenness in our lives, all the brokenness in our culture and in our cities and in our country, our world, it's all because of sin. It's all because of sin. And the only way that brokenness can be redeemed is through Jesus Christ. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. The only one who can redeem it, the only one who can fix it, is Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's what La Plata County needs most. You know, as I was uh, planning out this message, I was reminded by the Holy Spirit that one of the greatest weapons that our enemy uses, one of Satan's most effective tools against us, is discouragement. You heard Keith talk about it a little bit, and I'm going to talk about it some more because in my conversations and in my dealings with you and other people, even outside of the church, there's a lot of people that are greatly, greatly discouraged. Discouragement is a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. Have you lost your confidence? Have you lost your enthusiasm? Discouragement means dispiritedness. It's a loss of spirit. Everyone at some point in their life needs encouragement. You know, if you think of the word encouragement literally, it actually means to put courage into someone. And I could feel the presence of God this week and I could hear Him say, Justin, you need to put some courage into the people of Grace Church. You need to encourage them. I know God is preparing us for big things. But if there's one thing that could derail a movement of God, it would be discouragement. It would be, it would be people who have lost confidence. It would be a group of people who have lost enthusiasm. It would be a group of people who have lost their spirit. So once again... Through the guidance of my God, this message today is going to be pure encouragement into your souls. I'm going to do my best to inject encouragement into your hearts this morning. And as we plan out a weekly service, we always say, what's the win? What is the win? What do we want people walking away with from each service? And the win this week is that people will leave greatly encouraged. I believe if we have a body of believers who are full of confidence 
if we have a body of believers, believers, I can't talk, if we have a body of believers who are full of enthusiasm, a body of believers whose spirits are alive and well, this region is going to get rocked. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 11 is where we're going to be today. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. This is a section of Scripture about the great John the Baptist. The one who was prophesied would come and he would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. So John the Baptist was prophesied to come to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. He would prepare the way for Jesus in life and he would also prepare the way for Jesus in death. John the Baptist is... Like if there's spiritual giants... He's spiritual giant on steroids. Okay? He was mighty in confidence. He was mighty in boldness. He was mighty in faith. But even the great John the Baptist needed some encouragement. So let's read Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his twelve disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all about the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and what you have seen. The blind see, the lame walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of a man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, this is coming from the lips of Jesus Christ, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Let me, let me just start out by saying this. There are consequences to disobedience. I think we all get that. Even, you know, when you're parenting a child and they disobey, there's going to be consequences. There's consequences to disobedience. But there are also consequences to obedience. John the Baptist is sitting in prison right now in this section of Scripture because he chose righteousness. He chose righteousness and there was consequences for that choice. 
John is rotting away in prison while Jesus is doing a powerful ministry tour. And it should have encouraged John, but instead it discouraged him. Even though Jesus is doing great things, John feels left out. You know, a lot of us, we experience the same thing. We, we believe God can do great things. But often we'll, we'll Photoshop ourselves right out of the picture because of discouragement. Discouragement leads us to a place where we become cold and where we become calloused. We begin to think, come on, man. Seriously, come on, Justin. Are you kidding me? Come on, man, don't get my hopes up. I don't, I don't want to hear this, you know? Impacting the Blatty County. Seriously. That's just a pipe dream, dude. Are you kidding me? You're cold, you're calloused, you're discouraged. The enemy wants to discourage you. He wants to take your dreams away. He wants to take your faith away. He wants to take your hope away. He wants to steal your passion and your enthusiasm. And ultimately, Satan wants to crush your spirit. John the Baptist was discouraged. This is the guy who, who came to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, to lead the way, and now he's sending some messengers out to say, I want you to go and just make sure. Just make sure this is really the one. I'm not too sure right now. I don't know if this is really the Messiah. Just go and check. I'm, I'm sending you out, and I just want you to make sure Jesus is the one because I'm in prison, and he's like a celebrity, and I'm discouraged. John the Baptist knew Jesus was the Messiah, but he began to doubt. He began to to have a faith crisis because of discouragement. Is Jesus really the one? Is He really the Messiah? Is He really the Savior? Have you ever asked those questions? Have you ever gotten to that place of discouragement? Have you ever gotten to such a point in your life where you were like, When Jesus got the message from John the Baptist's uh, messengers, he, he replied by saying this. Hey, John, everything's working as it should, man. Hey, John, the blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking again. Lepers are being healed. The dead are are being raised to life. The gospel is spreading. John, 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 listen. Everything that was prophesied long before, it's, it's happening. It's coming to pass. It's working. Listen, John, you're doing all right, man. You're doing all right. Be encouraged. John, be encouraged. I have three 
very simple points for you this morning. I have three simple but very powerful points for you this morning. Some of you here this morning, okay? Listen, some of you here this morning need to hear that you're doing all right. You know, I'm a person that always wants to do better. I I always think that I should have done better. It doesn't matter if I did great. I always think I should have done better. It doesn't matter how well I did. I should have done better. Sometimes I have to remind myself that I am doing better than the devil says I am. Some of you need to hear this. You're doing better than what the devil is telling you. Satan is always accusing us. The scripture says he is the accuser. He's always accusing you. He's always dragging up dirt on you. He's always condemning you. And you know why? You know why he's always pointing the finger of blame at you? Because condemnation paralyzes your potential. Sometimes we need to realize how far we've come. Yeah, man. Listen, we all got things to work on. We've all got some sin to overcome in our life. But you know what? Let's start with this. Let's start with this. At least you're sitting here right now in church. Hey, man, good job. Great start. You're sitting here in church. You're doing better than you think you are. Fathers, listen, I just have to say to you this morning, you're doing better than you think you are. Moms, listen, this morning, you're doing better than you think you are. Ministry leaders, you're doing better than you think you are. Singers, you're singing better than you think you are. Teachers, you're teaching better than you think you are. Listen, you're you're doing all right. Be encouraged, church. Be encouraged. Don't let the devil tell you that you don't matter. Don't let the devil tell you that what you do doesn't matter. Because you're doing better than he says you are. He is condemning. And he's trying to drag you down. Man, encouragement is so powerful. Encouragement is so powerful. Over the past 15 years, I've saved every note of encouragement, every card, every email people have sent to me to encourage me. So earlier this week, as I was looking through all six of them, and uh, <laughs> I love that one, man. That was, was going to be good. No, seriously, I actually, there is a short stack. No, in all seriousness, as I was looking through all the notes, I, I was greatly encouraged. What encouraging things have people said to you at just the right time that changed your life on the spot? That just injected energy into your life? You know, I would highly encourage you that I would highly encourage that you have some of those things on your mind, that you have some of those things on your lips. You need to have some of those things on your heart so that you can preach to your discouragement. 
so that you can proclaim to your discouragement, so that you can tell Satan to get the heck out of here, man, because I'm encouraged right now. I know I'm doing better than you say I am. Encouragement is powerful. I wanted to, I just wanted to share a couple encouraging things that were spoken to me at just the right time. Some, some things that changed my life. Some things that honestly kept me in the fight. The first one I want to share with you was, was from a good man in our church. And he gave me a card, and I think we're going to have it on the screen here, but he said this. The card was to me. It wasn't to my wife. He said, thank you for your leadership and obedience to follow where the Lord leads. Being a part of Grace Church has been a breath of fresh air. And then he said these really powerful words, we want to follow. Man, that that simple note, it just spoke courage into my life in that moment. It gave me confidence. It inspired me. You know, a few years ago, I was, I was greatly discouraged. I was facing some intense ministry seasons. And, and uh, honestly, I was contemplating, man, checking out. And my brother Jesse, he, he knew that I was really struggling. And he gave me some timely encouragement. You see, what, what was happening is I was listening to the lies of the enemy. And I was believing his accusations against me. I was listening to him. I was believing what he had to say about me. But then I received timely encouragement. I received a card in the mail from my brother. And it had this picture on the front of it. And... Uh, just said, sometimes we all need a little push. I don't know about you, but seeing a kid do a face plant, I'm instantly encouraged. I'm just inspired. He did write some things in the card. He actually sent me a, a movie, Tommy Boy, too, with Chris Farley. But inside the card, he wrote these words. He said, praying for you and sending you a little push. said, keep your head up. Don't lose your joy. I don't know what's going on. Hold on a second. (sighs) God is not about bringing people down about lifting people up. He's about lifting people up through Jesus Christ. And and just so you know, I'm I'm not sharing these things with you as an endorsement of myself. Okay, I'm not running for office or anything like that. These are just things that people spoke to me that greatly encouraged me, that kept me in the fight. And last example I wanted to share with you if I can get through it. Sheesh. It was encouragement like I had never received before in my life. 
I had been the lead pastor of this church for only a few months. And uh, my dad, who at that time had been in ministry for over 40 years, he said these words to me. He said, Justin, it's an honor to call you my pastor. What? <laughs> like, seriously, what? My dad, the one I look up to, the one I love and just deeply respect, I was now his pastor. And I have to be honest, his words put fear in me, <laughs> realizing the responsibility that was before me. But man, his words also greatly encouraged me. Because my, my dad affirmed me. He affirmed me. He, he saw in me the courage and the integrity and the faith that it was going to take to pastor Grace Church. Man, that encouragement, that affirmation did more for my spirit than you will ever know. It's a little challenge to you fathers. When you're talking to your sons, when you're talking to your daughters, speak life into them. Encourage them. Build them up. Point out the gold you see in their heart and in their life. Don't, don't always pick at the dirt. I know there's plenty. Just look at the gold. Make them see it. Help them to see it. And speak life into your children's lives. In verse 7, of our text, Jesus, the Son of God, He goes off about John the Baptist. I, I don't know exactly how it happened, okay? But I just picture John the Baptist, his, his messengers were leaving, and and Jesus begins to kind of talk behind John's back, you know? He, he begins to talk as his messengers were leaving. And maybe He did this because He just wanted John to really just trust Him and not to be become prideful in his own flesh, but he says, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Secondly, this morning in our notes, I want us to remember that you are greatly valued by God. If you, if you measured John's situation from a worldly perspective, his circumstances were awful. He's sitting in prison. He's facing death. If you measure your happiness, if you measure your joy by your circumstances, you're often going to be disappointed. You're often going to be discouraged. But you know what? We as Christians, we don't measure our joy by our circumstance. Faith is our measuring tool. That's how we measure our joy. My joy isn't determined by what happens to me, but what Jesus is doing in me and through me. Your circumstances, your situation doesn't have to be 100% for your faith to be strong, church. Your circumstances don't tell the truth. And your faith is what measures your joy. Lastly, this morning, and I'm going to invite the band, if you guys would, come up. Lastly this morning, I want us to remember that your future is going to be better than you think. It was actually, 
it was going to get a lot harder for John the Baptist. It was going to get harder than he would ever know. John was facing death and he would be put to death. He was going to become a martyr. But in so many other ways, he would have a higher privilege than he would ever know. Soon John would see Jesus face to face. And just like John prepared the way for Jesus in life, he would prepare the way for Jesus in death. And so what Jesus did in this passage of Scripture is he reminded John of the cause. He said, John, it's working. Come on, lives are being changed. The sight, I mean, the blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking. Lepers are being healed. The dead are being risen to life. It's working, John. It's working. And then he reminded John how greatly he valued him. There's no one greater, John. I love you, John. And knowing this, John the Baptist could move into the future with great courage. He could move into the future, even an uncertain future, even a future that had death staring him right in the face. He could move into that future with boldness and with great faith. Church, I I, want to speak courage into you this morning, and I want to say, let's move into the future full of courage. Let's move into the future full of boldness and faith. Our enemy, Satan, he is the author of fear. And he wants wants us to be afraid and walking around timid and, oh my goodness, what's under every rock? But we serve God. We should be bold and we should be full of courage. Church, I just have to say to you that there is more in store for your future than you could ever imagine. That's why you need to look today in the face. And you need to say, if God is for me, who in their right mind would stand against me? He has prepared a place for me that is beyond my wildest dreams, beyond my wildest imagination. And you need this encouragement. I need this encouragement because when you leave this church service today, you are going into the battlefield. And we better know how to encourage ourselves. We better know how to encourage one another. And we better keep our faith full. John was looking death right in the face and timely encouragement was what he needed cross the finish line to cross it with boldness faith, courage he crossed that line with faith in Jesus Christ the one who came to save the world you know so many of us man, we, we look at tomorrow and we're scared we look at tomorrow and we get nervous because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Many of us are anxious about tomorrow. We're, we're scared about what tomorrow has for us. But I'm here to tell you, church, in your future, there is provision. 
through Jesus Christ. In your future, there is great resource. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God is already in your future. He's already there. He's already worked out the circumstance that is driving you crazy right now. He's already worked it out. He's there already. He's already worked out the things you're worried about. He's already figured out your situation. Come on, church. I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to take some courage. I'm going to ask you in faith, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands with me in worship, okay? Scripture says, let holy men and women lift holy hands to God. And what I'm going to ask you to do is just to say this after me. And don't say it just because I'm trying to coerce you. Say it because you believe it. God, I trust you with my future. Say it right now. God, I trust you with my future. Church, the scripture says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will direct your future so I'm going to ask you to worship him this morning. You can remain standing. You can remain with your hands lifted. You can sit down however you want to do it. But let's just worship him this morning. We're going to sing a song called Captain. Jesus is our captain. He's my my soul's trusted Lord. And let's just worship him this morning and let him have his way with our lives. Church, be encouraged. Would you be encouraged?